Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Romans. We'll be in chapter 1. We'll read verses 1 through 8 and then skip down to verses 15 through 17. Let's read God's word together. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In 2005, Nina and I were packing up a moving van to head down to Atlanta, Georgia. It was going to be a great adventure. For the next three years in a big city and attending seminary, we were excited to hit the open road and get to our new home. A man wants to make good time. A woman wants to make safe good time. And so that can sometimes clash on a road trip like this and it's getting to be a little late maybe 10 10 30 at night and and we're getting close to the border of North Carolina and South Carolina and Nina starts saying to me don't you think you should stop for gas I say confidently I'm waiting for the light to come on another 10 or 15 minutes goes by don't you think we should stop for gas same reply I'm waiting for the light to go on Another 10 or 15 minutes go by and eventually the moving truck starts shaking and eventually coasts to a halt and Nina looks at me and says, what happened? I say, I guess this moving van doesn't have a light that comes on. We're sitting on the side of the road. We are out of gas. We have no power. Right now it feels kind of like the world has run out of gas. It feels like the world has coasted to a stop and the world lacks power. Even as governors talk about reopening things, the, the, the discourse and the, the arguing over what all of that looks like shows we don't have the power to even have the conversation well. A man named Roger Cohen writing an article called Who Knows Where the Time Goes By put it like this. 
We are all in a box, a smaller or larger Zoom box, depending on the number of people in the conversation, a sidewalk box that sets appropriate social distancing, the box behind the new plastic panels in stores, the box of four too familiar walls, a mental box of insistent yet unanswerable questions. And in those boxes, we are all grieving. It feels like the world has run out of power, which is why our ears perk up when we get to Romans chapter 1, which is the first chapter of 21 letters in the New Testament, and read verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The Apostle Paul, the man who wrote this letter, wants to make sure that we know there is power in the gospel. The word power is uh, one of those fun Greek words. We've been learning some Greek words together during this time, and so I want to teach us a, a new one. This one is the Greek word for power. It's the Greek word dunamis, And as you see it, it might remind you of an English word, English word being dynamite. So let's all learn this Greek word together. Everyone say it with me. Dunamis, dunamis, dunamis is like God's dynamite. And Paul says the gospel is like God's dynamite. It's ready to break through the gridlock of our lives. And so let's read more regarding what Paul says about this gospel. Again, Romans 1, 16. This time I'll read down through 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Translation, there is such power in the gospel, Paul says, that in it the very righteousness of God is revealed. There is such power in the gospel, it saves everyone who believes. There is such power in the gospel, it enters and transforms our lives through faith apart from any accomplishment on our own. There is such power in the gospel that Paul quotes the prophet Habakkuk to show that the gospel was always God's plan A. There is power in the gospel. And if there is such power in the gospel, we would do well to ask, well, what is it then? You see, gospel literally means good news. Now, who does not want some good news right now? But good news doesn't sound like something all that powerful. It was more of a technical term in Paul's day. The word gospel connected to the Greek word for messenger, so let me paint a picture for us so we can understand what Paul's original hearers would have 
understood him to say when he says gospel. Imagine your country has been at war for generations. No one can remember a time of peace. Finally, the enemy is right on your doorstep. And the king leads an army out to battle. And you are back in the village waiting. You're waiting to hear what happens. You wonder who will rule the land when all of this is over. You wonder who will be the true lord of this land at the end of this battle. You wait and you wait and you hope. And eventually a messenger arrives and announces the gospel. The good news. Your king has won. The enemy has been defeated. Peace has finally returned to the land. This is what Paul's audience would hear when they heard the word gospel. A messenger of good news about a great victory. Let me read verse 15. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Paul says, I'm the messenger you've been waiting for. I have the ultimate good news you've longed for your entire life. I'm coming to Rome to tell you the true king has won the decisive battle against sin and all of its myriad consequences. Injustice, greed, violence, racism, exploitation, shame, guilt, cruelty, and the fiercest enemy of all, death itself. I come with good news that through faith, you are welcomed into the true king's kingdom and can enjoy peace now and peace everlasting. That was good news that Paul had to announce. But the question his hearers and we might have is, that's good news about this king that has won this tremendous victory. Who is this king? What's this king's name? He actually gives you the answer to that question right at the outset in verses one through four. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The king's name is Jesus. And so what is the gospel? Well, as John Stott famously put it, the gospel is the good news about Jesus. And remember what we just heard Paul write uh, about Jesus. This is the good news about Jesus who was declared to be the son of God in power. There is power in the person of the gospel, which means there is power in the gospel. The idea that the gospel is good news 
is not just an updated translation or an interesting play on words. The author, teacher, and pastor, N.T. Wright, helped me understand the importance that the gospel is good news and not simply good advice. I love good advice. In fact, because it's Mother's Day, I want to tell you some good advice my mom gave me that actually led to the relationship that we have. When I was in high school and thinking about applying to colleges, I didn't have William & Mary on my radar screen. My sister had went there and I thought I should do something different than my sister. My guidance counselor pulled me aside one day and said, Travis, I've come to know your personality over the past few years and I worry about you getting lost in the excitement of one of those larger schools. She was putting it nicely and kindly. She said, I think you should look at William and Mary. I went home that evening and told my mom what my guidance counselor had said. And she looked at me and she said, she's right. You should look at William and Mary. And so I did. And so I came. And so I came to the chapel. And so now I'm speaking to you today. Thanks, Mom, for some really good advice. But as good advice as you can get from your mom, or as good advice as you could get from a counselor, there's a problem with good advice. Good advice, you can take it or leave it. You can listen to it or not listen to it. But good news either happened or it didn't. The gospel is good news. It's not good advice. Jesus triumphed over sin and death and now is the world's true Lord. He's worthy of our trust, obedience, and worship. Jesus is ready to offer you his righteousness, that is, his right standing with God. He does this through faith, not anything that we do on our own. This is news. It's not advice. And this means the gospel always requires a response. Because good advice, you can take it or leave it. Good news either happened or it didn't. If this is good news, it must require a response. And the response is faith. Look at what Paul says in verse 17. For in it, that is the gospel, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This this phrase, from faith, for faith, is an interesting phrase. Let me see if I can give some modern equivalents. It's like saying edge-to-edge display on a phone. It's like saying someone went coast-to-coast on a basketball court. It's like singing sea to to shining sea in a song. It means faith for faith. Faith will take you the whole way. Faith is the beginning of the journey. Faith is the middle of the journey. Faith is the end of the journey. Sure, It will help you encounter all kinds of different things along the way, like obedience, like wisdom, like justice, like mercy, like pursuing mission, like being called into a community called the church. But it's from faith, for faith, 
faith to faith, beginning to end, completely by faith. Faith gets you the whole way. And so will you, will I respond to the gospel this morning by placing our faith in Jesus Christ? Placing our ultimate trust and hope in him. There is power in the gospel. Wherever you're stuck, place your faith in Jesus Christ. And he will move you by faith into his kingdom. As Nina and I sat in an awkward silence on I-95 South, almost to the border of South Carolina, thinking, what should we do? I finally broke that silence and said, I guess we have to walk to a gas station. And so I got out with my bride. Apologies, Nina. Even now, I'm still a little embarrassed about this. And we started walking down the highway. And big Mack trucks were coming down I-95. And every time they did, the wind would blow and it would kind of knock you off to the side a little bit. And about a half mile into the walk, it hit me that as we were moving to Atlanta, we were bringing our car with us. That we had hitched our car to the back of the moving van. It was right there with a full tank of gas. This car, it was a 1991 Caprice Classic. I bought it for $400 from one of my friend's dad's. And it had a full tank of gas. It had a back seat like a couch. And it had the, my favorite little uh, thing that this car had was called wheel skirts. The body of the car came down lower uh, over the actual wheels of the car. And this V8 powerhouse of American steel was strapped to the back of my moving van without gas. The power was right there. When I realized this, it was good news for Nina and me walking along the side of the road. It was not good advice that someone shouted out driving by, hey, you might want to think about, do you have another power source strapped to the back of your out of gas moving van? No, it was good news. Good news had happened. My car with a full tank of gas hitched to the moving van without power. I simply had to turn around and start walking the other way. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it a righteousness from God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written the righteous will live by faith Paul says I have good news I have good news and it's about Jesus the power we all need right now and forever is already available to us as we heard last week he is not far from each one of us Through faith, this power comes into our lives and transforms us. So let us turn in faith to him now because there is power in the gospel.
Oh, Lord Jesus, I pray now for all of us that are watching this sermon that we would place our faith in you for the hundredth time, for the thousandth time, or maybe even for the first time, Lord Jesus. As we feel our life has run out of gas, we pause right now and just say, Lord Jesus, I trust you. I place my faith in you and trust that you will turn that faith into an obedient life of following you. I thank you for welcoming me into your kingdom. I thank you for the power of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.